You know the secrets of making friends? They are so simple and easy. The Coffee Spot Podcast. Welcome back to the Coffee Clatch Crew Westworld episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomagino. And I'm Ryan Gemmel, back again from Germany, live. <laughs> <laughs> and today we're reviewing episode 107, Trompe l'oeil. Ooh. I'm doing my best at my... Your high school French Eight years of forgotten French pronunciation. Well, hopefully Doug, our listener, will appreciate... My attempt, at least. Yes. <laughs> Directed by Frederick E. O. Toy, written by Haley Gross and Jonathan Nolan again. You ready for this? IMDb gave it a 9.7, Rotten Tomatoes a 100%. Wow. first. Yeah, I think it's their first 100%. Back to the title for a second. We did briefly discuss it a few episodes ago, but it is a French term translated to mean essentially an optical illusion, an art technique that uses realistic imagery to create the illusion that objects exist in three dimensions. Yeah, that's right. One of our listeners sent us a great photo of a painting that is using that same technique. It's beautiful. Absolutely. I think it can have multiple meanings in this episode. Number one, the biggest one, and if you haven't watched this episode, please go away because we're (laughs) going to reveal everything. The first obvious translation is about Bernard, correct? Yes. We thought he was a three-dimensional, actual human being, and it turns out he is a host. People that were on that theory train were definitely correct. The second is, I believe, about the world in general. We hear a quote in the dream where Bernard is speaking to his son from Alice in Wonderland from the Mad Hatter. If I had a world of my own, it would be nonsense. Nothing would be what it is because everything would be what it isn't. And contrary-wise, what is, it wouldn't be. You see? (laughs) It reveals how the reality of our world can defy our perceptions could be from the host point of view. They think they're living in real storylines, real backgrounds, only to find out, such as Bernard did today. And I'm assuming there will be others. Yes. That this is not what it seems. And does this go as far to us as the viewers, mistaking what we see we on the robots? show? <laughs> you know... Yes, uh, the robot theory is back for Mr. Robot. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> we never left it. Dr. Ford also said that the only real free beings are his hosts. Yes. So that's his perception of uh, what freedom would be. Well, under his uh, control, but... Yeah, I can't wait to get into that. What about God and us? I mean, wouldn't it say the same thing? I mean, maybe we just don't have access to the control panel that controls each other. We don't know where it is. Absolutely. On the table for Felix to play around with. Well, it makes sense. Remember that book that was popular, The Secret? It was a small book, and it was about your perception of your life. If you, It was a little over the top. If you um, believe in great things, great things will come back to you. Yeah, being able to unlock that and put yeah. that energy out into the world. Yeah. I mean, it is true, because if you have great energy and you, you take everything in stride, you do put that out into the world. So people will, most likely, unless they're having a horrible day... Uh, they'll reflect off of your energy throughout the day, which will make your day better. Well, so it is. a lot of that is, like you're saying, perception. For the host, this is real, what they go through every day. Just because it's scripted and somebody set it out as their narrative does not mean they're not experiencing that. 
But I, I just wonder, I'm starting to get that feeling, we mentioned it a few podcasts ago, that they could be playing with this on a grander level. Right. I had put forth, what if most of what we're seeing in the park is hosts? This is not an original thought, but they're on different levels. So they start out in the park, and then once they achieve a certain level of consciousness or awareness, perhaps they can step up and become lower-level workers inside, such as livestock management, because we do hear that weird comment from Sylvester to Felix early on. Mm -hmm. We also saw in this episode a host imitating a tech or a worker when he goes to beat up Clementine. That's right, yeah. So now that puts in question how many techs are there working here that are actually hosts. hosts. And on an even higher level, you see Teresa being taken downstairs, and we think after she's killed, potentially they are going to use that to create a host out of her and send her back out into the real world. Dr. Ford's definitely going to do that, and that's how he's going to regain control. Since you bring that up, I want to ask this now. Bernard, so now we know he's a host, and he has that backstory. And we mm -hmm. did say when we first learned about the, his backstory, when he spoke to his wife, mm -hmm. that that could be his written backstory for Bernard. I know that we're not uh, saying things that other people didn't say. Mm -hmm. A lot of people thought Bernard was a host. But let's take that a step further. If we dive into that, who, he was speaking to someone. Was he speaking to another host? Was he speaking to someone that works there? Mm -hmm. Why would Dr. Ford go through all those steps if he could just create a better narrative for him where he doesn't have to do all those. Mm -hmm. So or maybe... Was that even real? Was yeah, that the flashbacks to his son? Are they all just downloaded? Oh, even, even talking to his wife yeah. on the phone? True. Memories. Like, and sit, like we can just see his dreams, like we're seeing his thoughts at the time, like he woke up from that as a dream. Mm -hmm. We didn't see him wake up after speaking to his wife. No, but it, it could possibly have been a downloaded narrative memory. Okay. What I was thinking is maybe he was actually a real person and the same thing happened to right, him because like he Teresa. found out too much. Mm. He was killed and then was created uh, as a host. I like that. And the wife is real and thinks that that's really Bernard. And it's so good that it's fooling people. Well, yeah, it fooled maybe. us, right? I that fooled was Bernard. <laughs> my biggest disappointment of the episode was I did see those clues coming, but I was choosing to reject the theory because Bernard seemed so human to me. He had flaws. He had ambitions. He looked at this whole park in such an idealistic, visionary way, much like Ford, which we've right. even toyed with the idea of Ford possibly being host or part host. But he was giving us the perspective of an employee working there. Part of what's great in the character development is we're seeing the side of it from the board and QA, people like Teresa. We're seeing the visionaries inside of the park that work there, like Ford and Bernard. We're seeing your average tech. We're seeing hosts. We're seeing guests. Right. The more you start to remove that, this person is a host, that person is a host, you're losing, I think, a little bit of the character development. But when yeah, we found true. out you know, about Bernard today that upset me. And then we got a person writing in with a great theory that we'll go in depth with later about the potential of William being a host. And I said, well, I like your theory. I like how it's being supported. But again, does that remove that piece of it? Because we're seeing the main viewpoint of a guest through the eyes of William. Right. And now that and changes everything. it kind of everything. flattens uh, the storyline. Yeah. For me, I, I at had least. a theory, uh, and I told Jason about it, uh, I think last week when we weren't recording, it was that maybe what happened 30 years ago 
was that the robots won. They got out of the park and they just took over. They just started taking over everything and now they're in control. And then they just come to the park out of like habit. Hmm. And that's what they're doing now, you know, the entire time. But uh, I was telling Jason that that's kind of the end of the show. Once you find out that everyone's a host, yeah, nothing no means more anything. character development. Where you, I, I don't think you're gonna care. Exactly anymore. that flattening, and it, it can't be everybody no. because we know Teresa was a real human until she just now got killed, and potentially she's being remade. And I, I think if there are some hosts out in the real world, quote unquote, beyond Westworld, it is limited. Because there is this board, there is this company putting money into an experiment, trying to figure out this code. You have to believe so they can translate that for the real world somehow. Whether they're building an army, these are going to be military robots. Whether they're going to be servants that live in every house and do work for you and assist you. Or whether it's going to be a way to prolong your life and live eternally for the rich to be able to download their consciousness. Whatever they want to do with that, it's not commonplace outside now or they wouldn't need an experiment like Westworld. No. Westworld is just one giant commercial for Ghost in the Shell. It's like a prequel to Ghost in the Shell movie coming out. (laughs) (laughs) So we're bringing up a lot of questions now. I want to talk about the seven that Vulture.com put out this week. Hopefully, we'll be able to get into some of those this episode. What did Charlie want to tell Bernard in the dream, his son? And I don't know how much that matters now that it's built-in backstory, but I was interested in that. Number two is Hale in league with Dr. Ford. So did she help to set up Teresa to go down there? Number three, what are Dr. Ford's true intentions, and how does that clash with the board's wishes? Number four, why are the techs wearing suits when they go into Sweetwater? I thought this myself. You brought that up, too. Yeah. Number five, where do we stand on the William equals man in black theory? We have some ideas about that. Number six, what will William and Dolores find across the river? And number seven, is this really the end of Clementine? So all that and more this episode, we have one quick music note. The only one I could find was Reverie L68 by Francois-Joel Tioli. And that plays as Bernard is reading to his son at the start of the episode. Piano song wasn't anything, I guess, when Maeve turns it off. I think that was a repeat from the ones we've heard previously, and I think that's why she remembered. She's starting to acknowledge the loop and get frustrated with it. We saw her turn it off. Then we saw her go in and start to speak to Clementine and almost realize this is part of my narrative dialogue. She stopped and she changed her her course. Yeah, the piano sounded slower to her as well. The cadence was slower. Mm. And we do know that the piano has an effect on the host, or we think we do. It seems. Because when Teddy was almost dead, it's either Dr. Ford, when he touched him, he fixed him or something, or it was the piano. Yeah. And maybe I that's... It, I thought it was Ford. Ford? But uh, I think he's got little phrases he can say that will reset or make you do something. Like he says to Bernard, he says, I think our guest is weary. Feeling weary, and then, yeah. yeah. And then Bernard's like, well, time to go to work. We had thought about that too in the scene with Man in Black and Teddy because he said something before he touched him. But there did seem to be a definite effect of the piano. So I'm wondering if it could be both, if there is some kind of code built into those tunes that we and hear. All right, on to fun facts. And one of our fun facts does 
kind of answer or put forth further the question of what happens to Clementine, but we'll get to that in a second. Mm -hmm. If everyone's following Aiden via the Discover Westworld emails, Mm. we got one link this time, and it was a video with Dr. Ford speaking over it. And essentially it was an announcement for the renewal of season two. Yeah. Which is awesome. So we know it's been renewed. It was awesome, but we didn't really get our weekly update. We'll go into that more later for that part, but we only got a little description of a new destination. There was no character spotlight. That was the big deal for this week. And yet again, there was no Delos Inc. updates either. Speaking of characters, last week we had on our Twitter a Twitter poll asking, who is your favorite Westworld character? Hmm. We had Bernard, Dr. Ford, the man in black, and Maeve. 43% voted for Maeve. Oh, wow. And tied for second place at 21% each is Bernard and Dr. Ford, with the man in black only at 15%. Oh, that's pretty cool, though, that second place was tied. Oh, yeah. I think it's reflective of when we put it out, because the man in black in the past two episodes or so, two and a half at least, hasn't been, you know, the main character in these episodes. He wasn't as prominent. It's like the him and Teddy adventure now. Right. And Maeve, after last week's episode, really went ahead. And then the last, yesterday the polls ended. So yesterday, Dr. Ford and Bernard creeped up. And that's because they had, this was pretty much their episode. Yeah. So I'm sure that if we did this every week, it would differ a little bit. But thanks to everyone who did vote. This is fun. I, I like doing this. <laughs> we'll let you know the next time we do a poll. Well, that's our way of getting the MVB answer that, that's true. W- that we couldn't get, right? <laughs> yeah. Also on our Twitter, we have a link to an Entertainment Weekly article. It's a really good article where they have an interview with the Westworld producers. They ask them a, a lot of good questions. I will give you two of them, and then you can check out the link to get the rest. Entertainment Weekly. Then Clementine is apparently lobotomized. We're so used to the host coming back to life over and over again. Does this mean that Clementine has been killed off? Mm. So Nolan said, it's a little more complicated than that. They're physically removing part of her personality. It's like when the NSA has a hard drive they want to get rid of. They don't just erase it. They drill holes in it. The mind of the hosts are organized similar to a human mind with the frontal lobe containing most of the code for her personality. So the person we know as Clementine is largely gone. Yeah, so it, she'll be back. It's just not it as her. It really is like killing them. Though I was worried about that when we saw it happening with Peter Abernathy, that even if he came back, mm-hmm. you're never going to see that Peter again. Because if you know anything about lobotomizing, and this is actually a tool that we used to use for mental health, unfortunately, many years ago, they did go up through the eye socket and into a certain part of the brain and make an incision so that that part of the brain can't communicate with the other parts. And essentially, it would turn you into kind of a zombie. Yeah. You would be disconnected from major parts of your personality. The the way I see it, unless you still have that old Clementine information downloaded somewhere, you have sort of seen the last of that that character as you know it. As we know it, yeah. But I think she'll still be around. I'm hoping she will be. As far as Nolan is concerned, it sounds like she'll still be there. But the person we know won't be. Yeah, what what does that mean, you know? From a technical point of view, couldn't they get shot in the face, though? Couldn't they be, like, smashed in the head with a bat or something like that? 
I don't know, kicked in the head by a horse? Couldn't something else damage that part of the brain? And why is only that symbolic of lobotomizing them? I would think that it's backed up elsewhere. It, it would have to be if they're able to bring them back online, like you say, because that could do the same kind of damage or similar. They would have to have that information, however they do it, if it's in code or if it's stored somewhere, that they could upload it again. But I guess when you have a host that's decommissioned, that probably goes off into a file somewhere not to reuse. Right. I was thinking, why didn't they use like nanobots? Just put that yeah. in them, and that would just eat up the head. You it know? seems very old school, sticking that yeah. that screwdriver-looking thing up. They have to have a better brain. way than that. But so they just want, well, for dramatic, you know, dramatic effect. Yeah, so it was pretty intense. Next question. A couple of host mechanics questions I've been wondering about, and I think they might be increasingly relevant. Can you say how the hosts are powered? Like, do they need to recharge? Do they eat? Mm. Nolan replied, their construction and their power source is something we're really going to get into during season two. So we'd like to keep that mysterious. <laughs> They're closer to the biological than they are to mechanical, but they don't suffer brain death the same way we do. They're largely indistinguishable from a human beings, but their brains don't require oxygen, which opens up interesting possibilities. Their brains are not as fragile as ours. On one hand, their cognition and controllable and malleable but on a structural level, they can't be killed in the same way you and I can. Mm. These are advantages and disadvantages to being a host. Season two will be exploring more of the nuts and bolts of what they are, as the hosts themselves are trying to understand. That really sounds like it must be backed up somewhere then. Yeah. That information that's inside of their brains. I don't even know why, if you're a whole robot, and this is a gripe I have with a lot of uh, like robot-type sci-fi stuff, why you would even store information in the head in general. Why would you still store it there? There's no reason to store information in the head. Is you it? Know? Well, you could, if you're a manufactured creature, the skull is pretty tough already. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm thinking you could make that even tougher so that it would be harder to just injure in a normal way. I don't know, that's... Mm. Well, you're saying, well, I'm just saying they'd be stored off-site? Where you could put the brain anywhere of the machine. Yeah, but where else would you so. put it? In, like, the ass? <laughs> yeah. Then you sit on it. I just think it's, <laughs> it's probably better protected in the brain. This is, though, a weird mix, and we've spoken about that, of biological and mechanical and how that all melds together because they have increasingly made them more human in the way they function. Right. So that's a good question. I mean, we do see them drinking for sure. I don't know if we've ever seen them eating. It seems like they sleep. How much do they need that? How much does that actually affect their physical being? We know that when they lose a certain amount of blood, it does affect them similar mm -hmm. to how it would a human. They did have a question about do they have to recharge and things yeah. of that nature. I forgot what they said. but <laughs> And sleeping <laughs> could be that, that method, just kind of rebooting. Yeah. Maybe they're solar powered. <laughs> All right, let's get into our overview. We open up with Bernard reading Alice in Wonderland to his son, Charlie, who's sick in a hospital bed. Bernard tells him he will beat this, to which Charlie says, listen to me, but then slips away. That's the response we were wondering at. Mm -hmm. What was he going to tell him? Bernard jerks awake from the nightmare, in bed, in the present, and this was my first clue. It looked like the normal host wake-up shot that we get. 
That's true. Of yeah. him in bed, and I started to worry a little bit there. They do drop clues a lot in this one. Later at work, Bernard runs a diagnostic on Hector, who had a blacklisted exchange with a guest. The host shows no sign of core code corruption, and Bernard releases him. He then asks the tech about Elsie, who says, according to the system, she started her leave today. Yeah, started her leave. So that means that it was someone in the department that grabbed her mm-hmm. because they have a whole storyline. Did we know she was going to have a leave? No, I think this is a cover story. Yeah. I'm hoping she's not dead. I'm thinking she's just yeah. been taken right. by someone to discuss the fact that she's looking too far. Or if she's dead, she's going to be back as a host. Yeah, but see, that's going to kind of get to be a lot if we're doing that with so many characters. Yeah. And is Dr. Ford aware? Because it seems like he's aware of everything. He must know. We he were saying know. how could she be getting away with snooping so far into things, and especially knowing what we know now, that she was going to Bernard with all of these questions. Yeah. Hmm. Ford gets everything from Bernard. On right. that note, I think, what are you guys' thoughts of, we don't know who grabbed her? It could have been Bernard, now that we know he's a host it's that's a, under control. I think that's the most likely option. Just a fun little note, when Bernard was interrogating Hector, we saw on the tablet he was pulling up a self-awareness protocol to review him. He was also showing him pictures of a lab tech in the suit of a monorail and of a city skyline, maybe similar to what we saw in the picture that set off Peter Abernathy. And of course, Hector responded, doesn't look like anything to me. He did use some operative words as well, like car, trophy, And he's trying to see if Hector gets any weird feelings off of it. Knowing that Bernard is a host, it's kind of funny, but it's obviously written in his code to not make him freak out about it. To me, this seems like maybe it's the most efficient system you could have, but I would worry about hosts interviewing hosts and having to read them. Like, eventually, does something get lost in that translation? Mm. We've seen now, potentially, that hosts can lie to humans. So I don't know. This, this could cause problems later on. Then on the train, William plays cards with El Lazo while Dolores stares out the window. Dolores notices the staked heads lining the tracks, and El Lazo ex- explains they're in the territory of Ghost Nation now, the most savage tribe there is. This was really the only information we got off the Discover Westworld this week, the destination of Ghost Nation. They said, this area is only recommended for expert game players. The journey alone is guaranteed to weed out the faint of heart. Ghost Nation storylines connect and intersect with some of the most thrilling in the park, but it will take more courage to access them. Dig deep to ingratiate yourself into the inner circle, and the rewards may outperform your wildest expectations. And we'll hear more about that and these people later. I don't understand what being an expert player would be. If you can't get killed, I guess you can be detained and you got to kind of social engineer your way out of it. you got to kind of talk your way out of it mm-hmm. or fight your way out of it. We also hear, speaking of the game, William says it was his friend who wanted to see where all of this was ending. Logan. He himself didn't want to join the war. But Alazo says your friend didn't make it this far. Maybe you've got more of an appetite for this than you think. And it's true. He is continuing along with this narrative, despite Logan not being there. And we see he's getting more and more sucked in Absolutely. to Westworld. He was so against this only a few episodes ago. And now he's completely taken in by the storyline. So 
they have done a good job by feeding him Dolores. They've given him exactly what he needed to start experiencing this park in a Absolutely. different way. Now back over to Bernard. He's trying to contact Elsie, but can't reach her or locate her on the map. He speaks with Teresa. There's the black and red background again when they're talking. And now thinking about that to last episode, it happened two or three times with Bernard and Teresa. And I wonder if that was foreshadowing of what was to come between the two of them. She asks Bernard why he left so abruptly the previous night. And Teresa says that executive director of the board, Charlotte Hale, is looking over every department. So it's important they present a unified front. She's digging for information here from him, and he's not giving her any. He's pretending everything's fine. Well, they both are. This is the first time we see, and it's obvious to both of them, that they're both hiding something Mm. and uh, not discussing it. It was kind of awkward. So now we know how he left. Apparently, he just got off the phone and bounced. <laughs> Remember we were asking last episode? Yeah. I was, yeah, I was surprised to find that out. <laughs> I didn't think I would. Just as an aside, too, this is a shot where they really zoom outside of Mesa Hub. Mm. And they go out. You can see the Mesa itself. And it just looks like a regular mountain from the outside. But there are windows. You can see yeah. them. That's the first time we saw that. I was wondering, like, how dark is that building if they don't have windows? So mm. now we know it, it looks like a city skyscraper, but a mountainous one. Yeah, and it's I'm cool. supposing that the hosts, if they can view this, would not see the windows. Nope. As we're learning more and more, they just don't see whatever we don't want them to see. Yeah. And later on, too, there's a view where they kind of travel up towards the top of the mesa, and you can see just that top level that sticks up out of it where the pool area is. Right. You know how we talked about last week how they like built the whole thing down and started on the bottom level? Maybe they just kept building it up, like the mountainside up oh, maybe. beside it. Yeah, so it's to a cover fake it. mountain, yeah. You yeah. might be right. Everyone drink every time I say you might be right. <laughs> <laughs> then Teresa knocks on Hale's door, interrupting her romp with Hector. I was a little surprised about that. No, no. No. I would do it with Hector. You saw, <laughs> well, if you were going to take a host, then yeah, that would I, be could, the host. I could see that. But um, I wasn't too crazy about this whole scene. First, yeah. irritated about the woodcutter mess and the disruption caused by Ford's new narrative, Hale tells Teresa the reason Delos needs the data. The board is pushing Ford out. To do so, Hale plans to demonstrate Ford's incompetence through a major host malfunction. I, I don't know about... Hale's character, and I don't exactly know what it is that's irritating me, but it, it doesn't feel as genuine as the other people we've met. I agree. She's well, we haven't gotten much from her. We've seen the ungenuine part with her feeling out Lee and not discussing who she is. Mm-hmm. Then we saw one sentence after, once we knew who she was. And this is the first time we're actually getting her to speak. I didn't read it that way. I think we, uh, the way I read it was she's straight to the point. She's going to get done when she needs to get done. She doesn't care about anyone's feelings. You know, this place and everyone who works here, you know, we don't care about them. We only care about the code. She's like a board member. She doesn't give a shit. Yeah, it almost felt too too um, scripted to me. And I don't know if it was the way it was written or the way she acted it, but it's this tough woman who's sleeping with... Hector for the fun of it, and then she's all down to business and come in and don't mind me, I'm naked. I don't know, I just, mm, it rubbed me the wrong way. I don't love her character. Yeah. I don't think we're supposed to. I though. agree. 
I don't know. I I thought originally when I watched it that it wasn't great acting. Mm-hmm. You know, like because it, it didn't seem believable to me. You're gonna get some tweets so. about that. Yeah, I'm sure we will. <laughs> but you know, it's a matter of opinion. And Can't have opinions. It's. I understand <laughs> we're not supposed to like her. That's the way I felt about. Teresa, but here's my gripe again with there's very few people that we can latch onto that we do believe are not hosts that mm-hmm. are giving us the viewpoint of the board or of the workers or of the guests. And to me, well, I don't know if she's not a. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't know that for sure. But to me, <laughs> I, I wasn't too fond of Teresa. I did slowly start to become more intrigued with her by her association with Bernard, funny enough, that now that we know he's a host. But that's why they did that. That relationship really warmed me to her character, and they now have taken her out the minute I feel for that. So now my only look at the board or somebody else outside of here is with this woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm just having trouble. It's It's not that I... I could dislike her and still enjoy that the way I do with Sizemore. I think he's a brilliantly written character. I dislike him exactly the way they want me to, and I think he's fun, and it adds to this. I don't really feel that way about Hale. Anyhow, this was a good scene, though. She was saying some pretty interesting things, that the interest in this place is entirely in the intellectual property. This place, the people who work here, are nothing. Our interest in this place is entirely in the intellectual property. The code. The host's minds, the storylines. I don't give a rat's ass about the host. It's our little research project that Delos cares about. That's where the real value is. And due to a lack of foresight on part of one of my predecessors, 35 years of information, raw information, exists here. Nowhere else. Ford has always ensured that. Now, you are a smart enough woman. Tell me, why would we need you to secure all of it? Because you're going to fire him. You don't fire someone who created an empire. You ask him to retire politely. And if that person has the ability to snap his fingers and erase the value of that empire, you have to make sure you have a contingency so you and I need to ensure that by the time the rest of the board arrives, we are on course for that transition. The code. The people who work there and the hosts don't matter. The lucrative value is in the research project. And there's 35 years of raw information that exists here and nowhere else because Ford has always ensured that. He hasn't backed it up anywhere. Mm -hmm. So he has the ability, if they piss him off, if they ask him to leave, to destroy it. At least she believes. He's backed it up. They just don't know it will know where they can access, let's mm-hmm. put it that way. So they want to handle this gently, and that's essentially what she's asking Teresa to help her do. A lot of quotable moments in this scene. Mm. The gods require a blood sacrifice. Yeah, we'll hear that later, too. They need to see how dangerous yeah. his creations can be. I love it. I thought they were talking about Maeve. I think a lot of people thought they were yeah, talking about Maeve. Yeah, well, they went, they went to her in the next scene. They, like, they... they they left it like that. They kind of threw you off on purpose. Yeah, yeah they meant you to, I think, to, to think it was her. Speaking of walking to the Mariposa, Maeve is starting to become aware of her mundane routine. Thus improvising, she slams the lid on the player piano and goes to the bar to speak with Clementine. She strays from her script and asks if Clementine ever dreams that she's someone else. This is when she discloses her future plans. We get the backstory of Clem. 
her family has a farm. The soil is going bad. She wants to get them out of there someday, so she's working to get money that she's sending back home. Mm. Uh, so that's her backstory. Yeah, I'll tell you what disappointed me a little here. I think part of the reason we're attaching so strongly to certain hosts is because we are getting their backstory. Right. If we didn't know everything we know about Maeve, the things she's been through, her journeys, we might not feel for her as much. People like her and Dolores, at times, it's hard to tell what's real and what's not. We have made a connection with them. Now, Clementine, funny enough, you've made connection to her, I think, mostly through association. The yes. characters she interacts with, such as William and, and Maeve. But since they're taking her away from us in this episode, I maybe would have liked to get a little bit of this backstory earlier. To, to form a stronger connection and have that real feeling when she's... Um, lobotomized at the end. I kind of think like coming time is now a tool for Maeve. Sure. In the in the narrative, the reason that she's an important going to be an important character is because she's important to Maeve. Absolutely. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. I don't think it was a for us. We weren't feeling for Clem because we felt for Clem. We were feeling for Clem because we felt for Maeve. Oh, I agree, one hundred percent. But. It even bolstered their relationship to hear her being honest with her and sharing yes. this stuff that she dreamed about. And I like that we got it mm -hmm. at all. So that was nice. You know, the piano scene, to go back to that, I picture the piano is kind of like the rooster for the hosts because <laughs> it kind of gets them all up and going. Time to start the script. Yeah. It's the power button. Yeah. And so much so that even she turns it off and then Clem gets there and then Clem starts going through the script of what, how they start every morning. Mm -hmm. And Maeve starts saying it. And right. the look on her face is like, wait, why am I saying this? This is what I always yeah, say. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. She almost notices that she's stuck in that narrative dialogue and stops herself. And I, I wondered if shutting the piano had something to do with her being able to overcome her script. Because even though she's been bumped on her bulk apperception, she's mm -hmm. still running off that narrative dialogue and everything else, we must assume, right? This is how she functions, but she's able to stop it here yeah. and change course. I don't know if that's a piano. I think that's just uh, the spinach that she's eating. The but spinach could be. Well, what do you, how do you think Maeve <laughs> felt with listening to her story, uh, Clementine's story about her future and her dream and knowing it's not real and it's not going to happen? Yeah, I wondered that too. I think that, well, for us that it trivialized it. It made it not important anymore because we were seeing, like I was more interested in seeing Maeve's reaction to it and how she was reacting to all of this and her knowing that this is all BS because she had a backstory too that wasn't her real backstory. Yeah, and going through Maeve's emotions here was really amazing to see, especially when the texts come in and they freeze everybody. And you do think they're coming for her she doesn't know what to do. She pretends to be frozen, right, so that yeah. they won't suspect her. She's got that knife in her hand, and they, they walk up so slow, and then they, they latch on to Clementine. And you could just see all of that running through her face. It was kind of like the scene where Felix led her upstairs, and her body and everything else is very stiff and rigid, like she's a host being led, but in her facial expressions, mm -hmm. it's all there. And once they leave, there is this transformative look of anger, that comes over her. Oh, of course. And it made me scared for where she's going to go next. So we know now that she's impervious to the commands, right? Because she didn't freeze. Yeah. 
Yeah, or she's able to override it. I mean, we saw her even early on doing the cue where she's able to wake herself up. We'll talk about this more later that it's not totally exclusive to her. There are things that other hosts that are of an older build, Arnold's creation, are able to do. We will find out that Clementine remembers things that have happened to her as well on a deeper level than even I suspected. Yeah. But she is certainly unique in these aspects and, and what she's going through. This also brought up the question for me, why do the techs come in those suits? Yeah, why didn't they come in in the outfits where they blended in and then just take her, Clementine, and walk her out? We've seen them do that before. Certain circumstances, we did see once where they came in and they paused everyone. Right. But that, you know, that seemed like a bit of an emergency. I guess this was too, to get her out of there. But why do they need the suit? Like, they've, they've come in before in plain clothes, yeah. right? And they seemed okay. The suit almost seems to be a hazmat suit. Like, yeah. it's protecting them from something from in the air or... Well, they would wear it after, you know, a big scene where half the people are dead and there's blood everywhere to protect themselves from the blood, you know, probably. But there's no reason here because everyone's... I know. don't know that you need a full hazmat suit for that. Yeah. This This seemed like... I don't know, maybe different. I'm, I'm wondering why there are certain times where they come in in full suit. And clearly, this is not one of those times where any of that's going to be a danger. They're just escorting a host out of there. Yeah. So let's send that question to our listeners. Do you guys have any idea what these suits are actually for? Mm. Do they hold any kind of technical reasoning for protection? Or is it just to... Uh, go into the narrative of people thinking that those are the mythical gods, mm-hmm. you know, that we saw when Maeve was starting to figure things out. There was that little Yeah, doll. which seems like something that they allowed them to believe, though, not intentional. They didn't oh, want them right. to pick up on that. So, yeah, why do you think they wear that sometimes? We go to Ford and Bernard, who come for this meeting of a leadership. Teresa and Hale are presenting their story. They bring Clementine describe her as a threat that's been caused by Ford's reveries. As the group watches, Clementine first does not respond, as a host pretending to be a tech, which was interesting, beats her up. But after they shut her down and wake her back up, she's able to anticipate and fight back. And viciously, I might add. She really beat the shit out of him. This is where we learn that she has been actively remembering, which didn't seem clear to me, at least not for her. We knew this was happening to hosts like Maeve, but I wasn't aware that Clementine could remember so much. I think that once they took Clementine, they upped whatever that is that they've been doing to to make. Oh, you think so? They altered her. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Not just that. I would think that they altered her attributes also, because she just. I mean, we saw last last time or last uh, episode about how the schematics for how their different agility and stuff like that yes. gets into play. Like, I wouldn't know that her agility or strength or whatever would be that high in order for her to react in a way where basically, like, kicking this guy's ass. And certainly her aggression level. We hadn't seen that with her prior. Now, I did think there was a problem with this code that Ford put in with the reveries initially, but they might have definitely bumped that for her. Mm -hmm. And we don't know if she is an older host that would have had that prior programming from Arnold. 
Right. So this. But I mean, Bernard says later that they were sloppy with the code. Yes. To Teresa. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So they did put in code. Yes. Well, and here they're describing that. You know, this is part of their story why they have to get rid of somebody. They examined malfunctioning hosts that wouldn't reset properly. Retention of data that hadn't been wiped overloaded their decision-making apparatus, eventually causing a system failure that allowed for override of the primary rule set. Their concern was with the reveries and that the host would remember their experiences and act upon them with grudges. This, they all lay at Bernard's feet. They say the Texan behavior voiced the same concerns, and we did see Elsie coming to him episodes ago about this. So it was an initial concern even before any of this. And clearly, Ford talked about this as an error that he was intentionally putting in to spark some kind of evolution. In each case, we examined the malfunctioning hosts were not resetting properly. The retention of data that hadn't been wiped overloaded their decision-making apparatus, eventually causing a system failure that allowed for override of their primary rule set. The concern with the reveries is that the host will remember some of their experiences and act on them. You're telling us that these hosts were responding to a grudge? That's exactly what I'm saying, Mr. Long. And funny you should use that particular word, grudge, since what was most troubling to me was that several texts and behavior voiced these exact same concerns. However, it's so transparent that they just need a head to roll, and I was shocked that it was on Bernard. And for this moment, I was shocked that Ford just sat there doing nothing before you know the whole backstory. It's like, is he really going to let him take the fall for all of this? It was almost like uh, Ford was frozen like a, <laughs> a host in that moment. <laughs> but I got to say, Anthony Hopkins' face there was awesome because he didn't look shocked. He looked oh, um, knowing, like he, knowing and planning in his head. Mm-hmm. Like you will get yours when the time's right. He was almost smirking at Hale mm-hmm. as she was talking. I yeah. see right through what you're doing, and then the very end, it turned vicious. Hannibal. Yeah. It's the yeah. first time we saw his Hannibal look in yeah. this uh, show. That was amazing. I liked his diss on Hale also. Something about her being really vain. Something about her looking at her reflection. Oh, I missed that. Well, and Hale ends it by saying within the next month, six months, they will need to rebuild all the hosts from the ground up that had the reverie code. Ugh. That's a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Right, but it'll give them time to, like, look into the code itself and see how it was made if they're remaking every host. Yeah, well, we think. The, the question really becomes later... Is Hale put here as opposition to Ford, or is she in league with Ford? Because when Ford had the discussion with Teresa, she thought she was big dog with all the power, and she was going to bring her back up from the board to come in and put Ford in his place. And he sort of laughed at her. I already took care of that. The board is never going to get rid of me. They need me. Every once in a while, they throw me a test with somebody like you. But it's almost for sport, he says later. So I wonder if this is the person, and Dr. Ford knew all along, we're playing this game, you know, but I'm still going to remain in control. And so did Hale set this up to trap Teresa later and take her out of the picture and go back to their way of functioning? Perhaps. I just don't know enough yet to have a real thought about Hale. I don't know her yet, and I'm afraid to put um, any theories towards her Yeah, where does point. Yeah, where does she lie? Yeah. But that yeah, would... Why? 
that would lead you to whether or not they're actually going to rebuild them or just allow this to continue because it's part of the experiment that they want. My initial reaction with Hale is that she's a host. Then the only reason I, I think this, there's two possibilities. Is at the end when Ford repeats the blood sacrifice thing? Mm-hmm. That's a direct quote from their conversation. Sure. So he's letting her know that he knows what happened there. And it's either because Hector is just recording the whole thing and then sending it back to Ford or Hale is reporting back to Ford. I think it was Hector. Uh, he was right. just recording it. He was turned off, but he was recording it. I think we're going to find out if Hale is on Dr. Ford's side or not with the host, Teresa, that comes back and yeah. see how Teresa speaks with Hale. And if this whole plan is to take down, you know, Hale and they're fighting it uh, with words, we know that Hale's not part of it. But, and it goes back to needing to know what the bigger aims of the board are. They make it seem like Ford is against the board. And yet Ford has been pushing forward these new storylines. And the board is looking for this code for some type of experiment or whatever it is they're running there. So they may want the host to go to the next level. This could be why they'd let Ford have free reign for so long because they need the information and he is a genius and that's the only way they're going to get it. So that might be a question we don't get answered for some time yet. For now, we go back to Dolores and William. She tells him she does not want to go back to her old life, which feels like a lie, but wonders why he is still going along with her. This is that question of he could have left back in Pariah. But William opens up about his search for meaning in the park. He said, the only thing I had as a kid were books. I used to live in them. I used to go to sleep wishing I'd wake up inside of them because they had meaning. This place is like I woke up inside one of those stories. I guess I just want to find out what it means. This is becoming more real to him than real life. Yeah. Right? He feels more alive here. He feels able to be more of himself. But it is like he's jumped into a fantasy. Mm-hmm. And she says almost the opposite. I don't want to be part of a storyline. I want to live in the real life. So I think their goals are going to come to be at odds very soon in the future. You know, this is what I spoke about, I think, three episodes ago during the uh, orgy. Hmm. When Logan gets carried away, he gave a little smirk. And it's because he knew that William finally woke up. Yeah. And this is exactly what he knew was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And when... William speaks about his fiance back home. Yes. And everything, you know, that whole speech. It looked like Dolores really was hurt. She felt an emotion there. Mm-hmm. I keep fighting with myself. Like, is this a programmed emotion or is this a real emotion that she's having? Especially with Dolores because they've made you question. It feels like everything she's doing is just part of this new narrative she's been put on. Right. It's confusing. Yeah, I, I know. I thought it was still more of her awakening because we know that she is still getting those little hints from Arnold. I kind of think that she's going off the cuff, but it, it's still going along with this. The fact that she's picking up on things like in the real world, you know, in the last episode, she says uh, he refers to the real world and she picks up on that. Mm-hmm. Normally they would just push that aside this whole scene and then the next scene with the tapestry and then finding the valley or whatever in the the river where the sea meets the mountains mm-hmm. i don't know it got me thinking of this whole other path of this go that if logan is the man in black maybe at the center of the maze is william and dolores and they're just living 
Huh. And they're the, at the center. They just said they've seen up too much fighting. They're just living in a house in this valley place together and living their life. He never left Westworld. That'd be pretty cool. So then why Teddy seeming like he was the one who is going to be at the center of the maze? And that kind of leads me to a fan theory that somebody wrote in wondering if... William is just the next iteration of Teddy. If even William himself could be a host, because we see Dolores going through her many loops and flashing back on people that used to play the part of the same role. So when she's leaving her ranch, she sees the original Peter Abernathy changing faces with the new version of her father the newer one that they implanted. Then when she goes to shoot the bandit, we see the bandit switch back and forth between himself and the man in black. So they have said, is William sort of the same thing? Is he just the next step up for a Teddy? Mm. Because they have now pulled Teddy kind of from the love storyline and William's put in there. So I think that's all kind of interesting, but again, it would take away that layer of seeing through the eyes of a guest the way we have been with William. Yes. Um, I have been resisting the William is man in black theory, but we'll get more into that later. One other thing just from the last scene with Teresa and just them saying that they can make the hosts interact as though one host is an actual human being. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was interesting that they said that. And that brings me back to the Wyatt script where they have the guys that strung them up and it seemed like Teddy shot all of them, but the bullets didn't do anything if they were being reprogrammed into hosts that act as humans or are responded to as humans yeah, which inside the bar. It would make you feel like they're, it does feel like advancing in levels, right? Like a video game, when you mm-hmm. attain this next step of the consciousness, you become a different kind of host. You get a different set of responsibilities, a different living situation i had wondered if that's kind of what the maze is about and the levels of mesa hub that you can keep moving up into there's certain clues there i know that that would have to kind of be fleshed out more and be a more complex thing that's happening but with dolores i feel the same way because in certain ways it seems like she's awakening and moving up but like you said with the painting before that seems like a downloaded narrative too i mean we find out that all of this stuff is going on that has to lead them to this area where the maze is going to be built and the place with the river by the sea. And now she suddenly knows what that looks like. You're telling me that's not something oh, that was just put into her with the yeah. landscape. So I don't think that was spontaneous. Well, she said it was from her dream. So right. that dream was uploaded. Yeah. It's not spontaneous in any way. Um, but the, who's who's to say if that's a part of the narrative or if that's something that maybe Arnold uploaded yeah. to help her find the maze? Right. But either way, it wasn't an original thought or a part of her awakening. Somebody put that oh, into her, right, yeah. to take the next step. So, yeah. Uh, there, just a little tip, too. We were talking about William mentioning his fiance back home. Do you find it curious that her name is Juliet? With all the Shakespeare references we've been getting. (laughs) That's his love that's waiting for him. It was a little bit cutesy. Also another mention that her father owns the company where he works. Right. And that's why he he came to VP. And the connection with with Logan. So I'm wondering how all that family relationship is going to tie in and what the company actually is. Is Maybe maybe Logan is just the man in black son. 
Yeah, could be. I was just going to say that, yeah. It, it could be. the father is a man in black. So the next morning, William tells Dolores he doesn't regret the prior night. He believes she unlocked something in him, which, again, is certainly suspicious phrasing. She responds, I'm not the key. I'm just me. And that's where they look at the new sketch. This takes us to the train lurching to a startling halt, and Elazo looks out to see they're surrounded by confederados with heavy artillery. So they start shooting up the train. Under fire, a man on a horse rides out, carrying a white flag. But on closer inspection, we see that it's Slim. Slim Miller, the host that was killed, Mm -hmm. and they filled him with nitro. He's leaking... Looks like that milky stuff. Right. Looks like that. Now, I know he was filled with nitro, but that's not what it looks like. It looks like the milky substance that they're made from coming out of his eyes and his ears. Hmm. So, of course, when they start to shoot, this ignites. And the explosion buys time for the three of them to ride off into Ghost Nation territory. So, let's pause real quick. Mm -hmm. Those confederados are the same ones that the men in black and Teddy were with. And Teddy killed all of them with that same Gatling gun, whatever mm-hmm. you call it. Yeah. So as far as uh, those two are, if it's on a different timeline, it would make sense because they are alive again. Or they were just fixed. I'm getting myself in this fucking circle, no, but you know what I mean? No, it's true. And if they are not on two separate timelines, if this is all in fact occurring now then I think they're headed for each other. Right. And this is going to be some kind of amazing revelation when they do meet and that history of who connects to who is going to be revealed for us. Yes. And that's why I find the idea of the same timeline being a lot more compelling because it does lead you to think these characters have a relationship. Um, yeah, that, right. That would be Teddy's more Teddy's going to find William with Dolores. What is that going to mean? If there is some type of relationship between the man in black and Logan, now he's going to find William without Logan. I mean, there's just so much potential there. Yeah, you're right. But if that is true, then there there's multiple versions of the same host. I think you're there certainly about could be. Yeah. Lawrence could have been brought back once he was killed. Could have been fixed up and brought back to the starting point for him as yep. El Lazo. Right. But we had him in different points, you know, for the men in black. You know, he was arrested at that point. Yeah, but it was sketchy the way they played with the timing. We don't know how much time act. They made it look like he was put right back out into circulation. They could have patched him up. I definitely think there could be multiple versions of certain hosts that they have to use a lot. That's a strong possibility in my mind. I don't think that. That doesn't sound right to me as far as multiple versions. Why not? I mean, if in a video, them. in like a MMO, if you go on a quest that takes like the character away, he just is still there, but you don't see him. Mm-hmm. Like he's missing, but other people, like other player characters, are going to the spot where he is, and they're just seeing him. It's just that he's moved for you and your group. I think one of the bigger points too is going to be what is this Ghost Nation about? Yes. How does that play in? We saw them on the map that Ford was looking at with the new location in the church and the. Confederados moving in, right? Um, the Native American, so that's all gonna kind of come together, I think. And the Ghost Nation is the one that took Teddy, so they definitely are in the same spot, right? Are we sure well, that um, those those are the same Confederados exactly? Yes, that, uh, that they met. Oh, okay. Yes, you know I'm what I'm talking about. Seeing them, that be another group of Confederados, right? Did the faces look the same? I don't know about that. Right. 
could it have been a couple of other people who came upon that gun? So there's a lot of them. Right. You know, and then you got the Ghost Nation people who, the Native Americans, we saw them earlier on when Teddy was trying to shoot and the bullets were bouncing off of them. Here, clear of danger as they get away, Dolores stops William at this point of the beautiful landscape, and she realizes it's the one from her dreams. She says it's real. The two of them are tired of fighting, so they opt to part ways with Alazo, who's going to continue along. And he tells them to be careful. You're leaving the fighting behind, but you're entering unclaimed territories. Nothing ever came back from there. We're getting a lot of great landscape shots. In this episode, mm-hmm. very beautiful open scenery, which we haven't gotten often. Two, when Elazo is telling them to come with him, that reminded me of when William just got there and hosts are trying to take them on an adventure. Yeah, stay on your storyline. So that's what makes me again feel like this is all a storyline. They're not going outside of the boundaries of a storyline yet. No, and this is going to be the start of Ford's new narrative where they've arrived at. Mm-hmm. So even by staying there, they're going to become part of that. It's just more dangerous, whatever this is going to be. Do you think if they ever get to the edge of the park, do you think there'd be like a huge wall? Kind of like a Jurassic Park wall or something? Like Truman Show? Yeah, I had actually speculated that it could be dome-like, like the Truman Show. And we had Chris write into us. I'll get more into the other part of his theory later. But he says, I know why there's an eye that makes you think Westworld is a dome. We had talked a couple of episodes ago on the intro of the podcast. And it seems to zoom in on a host eye and the world is within it. And it looks round. He goes back to the meaning of Arnold's name, which translates roughly to eagle rules. And eagles are known for their eyesight, and this is sort of the look into the world through his eyes. So, metaphorically, but also possible that it's literal, that it hits a dome. Now, if there is some type of ending point, we do see on the map that we are getting very close to it. Yes. The sea is at the very end of the map of Westworld. And we do know, Nolan has said, that the park is within 500 square miles. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, so... It's pretty big. Okay. Okay, switching gears. During repairs, Maeve awakens and grabs Felix's arm. She demands to be taken to Clementine. He reluctantly leads her upstairs, where Sylvester is lobotomizing the faulty host. He gives her a look. He's questioning whether he should do it or not. But later on, she listens to his weak explanation for Clementine's decommission. He's trying to get himself out of a tight spot here. Furious, Maeve dismisses him. I'm getting out of here, she says, and you two are going to help me. She also says, at first I thought you and the others were gods. Then I realized you were just men, and I know men. At first I thought you and the others were gods. Then I realized you're just men. And I know men. You think I'm scared of death? I've done it a million times. I'm fucking great at it. How many times have you died? Because if you don't help me, I'll kill you. Maeve again kicking ass. I love her acting in this. She's such a badass. 
Now we come to the really good stuff. Bernard pulls Teresa aside to confront her about the sham demonstration. He reveals that he knows she was behind the stray's transmission. Although he's upset about Teresa's sabotage, he moves his focus to his primary concern. He says 40 years ago, Ford's partner wrote half the code this park was founded on. She doesn't know how the hosts work. Something is wrong with them. The ability to deviate from program behavior arises out of the host's recall of past iterations, improvisation. So out of repetition comes variation, and they are on the verge of some type of change or a consciousness. And this is exactly what Ford intended. The interesting part is it's not just the reverie code he's put in and their tie back to memories. It is the actual looping itself Mm -hmm. that's allowing them to eventually deviate a little bit, improv a little bit until they come out of this and arrive at an awareness that they've been there before and then deviate. So I didn't know that. I thought that was a key piece. She says her concern was safety all along, and that's what she's about. It's clear that she's playing him in the moment he seems like he believes it to get her where he wants to go. He says, yeah, I know that. So, you know, let me show you something. In my notes, because we write the notes live, I'm like, why is Bernard telling her everything right now? Yeah. Yeah, he leads her to Sector 17, to that field cottage. She wonders why it wasn't on the survey of the park, to which he discloses that the hosts are programmed not to register it. They don't see it when they pass it. And they are the ones, in fact, that do the surveys. So, of course, it wouldn't be on there. More and more information about the hosts playing a larger role in the running of the park Mm -hmm. in the day-to-day. He says, Delos owned the hosts' minds, storylines, decades of work. Ford never allowed it to be downloaded offline, so it could have all been destroyed on his way out the door. There's more at stake here than the host profiles. It's the corporate interests. Just kind of another reminder that Ford has control of this coding and programming and seemingly he could shut it down without anybody being able to touch that. And then they go inside. As they're looking around the cottage, Teresa sees a door that's apparently invisible to Bernard. So So another clue. Huge tip up there. This was (laughs) the thing. If you hadn't realized it prior... He says, what door? It's invisible to him. When she points it out, then he's able to see it. They go downstairs into a basement area that's a remote diagnostic facility. We learn Ford and Arnold used it when the park was in beta. They have machines down there that are slower than what's in Mesa Hub, but they could build a host in just a few days. You know, he also said right before they go into the building, it's the human beings who confuse me. Which is another clue. This is the the crescendo of the reveal of Bernard (laughs) here, and it was pretty amazing. Even if you did see those tip-offs of it coming, sometimes that can be weak Mm -hmm. once the moment arrives, but I think the payoff was still really great here. Even after the the door was a huge thing, but the the gut punch is when Teresa starts looking through the host blueprints. She sees first Dolores, then I believe what was young Robert, the little Ford boy. Yep. And finally, one that she can't believe, she shows it to Bernard and it's him. So this is the, the real clarification. He says, doesn't look like anything to me. And my heart just Sank. dropped. Yep. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I felt, uh, I mean, I already was feeling it from the door thing. I was like, oh, that's it for yeah. him. <laughs> but they, they just kept hitting us with it 
over and over again. I was still able to lie to myself, though, and be like, maybe there's some other explanation. Yeah, yeah maybe wanna... it was just he was looking the wrong way. <laughs> but that door does explain, remember, people were kind of wondering how Ford got into the room yeah. when Bernard first discovered it. It's not but, magic. Yeah, you just couldn't see that door. door. And I think someone said that, too. On Twitter, at yeah, uh, Wesley J., wrote, HBO has officially made me hate doors. Hashtag Westworld, hashtag Game of Thrones, hashtag what door? Hashtag hold the door. <laughs> I thought that was perfect. <laughs> and he That's does funny. just seem to like magically appear, though, because even when they're downstairs, he comes out of nowhere now and starts talking to Teresa, confirming, you know, Bernard's in shock. He's saying, I'm not one. I can't be one. My wife, my son, and this confuses him so much, he freezes. And Ford says, they cannot see the things that will hurt them. Their lives are blissful. In a way, their existence is purer than ours, freed of the burden of self-doubt. Then goes into this kind of extravagant speech on how he read a theory that human intellect was like peacock feathers, an extravagant display just to attract a mate. I read the theory once that the human intellect was like peacock feathers, just an extravagant display intended to attract a maze. All of art, literature, Beethoven, Mozart, William Shakespeare, Michelangelo, and the Empire State Building. Just an elaborate mating ritual. Maybe it doesn't matter that we have accomplished so much for the basest of reasons. But of course, the peacock can barely fly. It lives in the dirt, pecking insects out of the muck, consoling itself with its Great beauty. I have come to think of so much of consciousness as a burden, a weight, and we have spared them that. Anxiety, self-loathing, guilt. The hosts are the ones who are free. Free, here, under my control. We had been back and forth very much on if he was pushing the host to actually achieve consciousness in a way that Arnold wanted. Here he's saying again that he doesn't want that. It's only desirable in a controlled way. Yeah. There's so much of it that's a burden, that's hurtful, that it's better if they don't have that. And he could just be lying to Teresa. Some of the things he says in this last conversation could be untrue, but that felt to me like something he really believes. Yeah. You know why he could believe that? Because he's a host and who's conscious and he misses it when he wasn't. Yeah. I, you know, I think he might be a host that Arnold is controlling overall. And that's why last episode when he finds out that the kid was listening to a voice Arnold and you see him freak out that's the same kind of look and feeling he was having that Bernard was just having when he was realizing that he is a host bewilderment yeah we had talked about that possibility of him being the very first creation of Arnold or the the culmination of everything and certainly he has a backstory you know, with the father who's a bit of an alcoholic and this story about the Greyhound. But if he is a host, he's different than anyone else. 
he is some kind of master controller host that's yeah. that's right. kind of at the head of all of this. He's the maitre d'. My heart sank when Bernard froze. That's the, the moment when I, my heart oh, sank. Oh, it was terrible. When he was shut off for a second. Because we've grown to love Bernard. And I didn't realize how much I loved Bernard till that segment. Just, can you imagine coming to that realization? Like, me? I'm not one of them. Oh. Right. So, Jeffrey Wright, he's an amazing actor. I love him in all the movies he plays. Uh, Hunger Games, I mm. loved him in that. He had to play a host who thinks he's a human, who has affectations of being a host sometimes, who also has affectations of being human sometimes. You know, like, holy yeah, shit, Yeah, he dude. was still... <laughs> it, it, put me off because he still seemed so human, so emotional. I mean, I know there were there were things about him that were clues, but I, I thought there's just no way with the level that we're seeing with him. He never got overly emotional, though. I know, and you had the part with Teresa where they were sleeping together, and she was saying, you never talk this much, you never mm-hmm. open up, you know, but I just didn't want to believe that. And it, it is very sad. It's it's a good reveal here when you find out he is the ultimate pawn right. of Doctor Ford. He talks about how loyal he's been all this time, and how he will do whatever he wants. And and this is where the real kicker comes in. That Ford says it's not him. It's Teresa's company that's trying to play God. He just wanted to tell his stories, and the board likes to test him from time to time. But their arrangement is too valuable, and he's not going anywhere. And in order to restore things, a blood sacrifice is required. She tries to call for help but has no service, and Ford whispers in her ear, like I said, I built all of this, and then directs Bernard to kill Teresa. He smashes her head against the wall. Very easily. And then immediately after he's done, Ford says, we should be getting back. We have a great deal of work to do on the new storylines. And Bernard just puts his tie on and walks out after him out the door. So the blood sacrifice, that's his way of telling us that he hears everything. Do you, do you realize whenever he has confrontation, he's giving clues to us that you keep thinking that these things I, I'm not aware of. Mm. I know what's going on and I'll it. reveal it when I'm ready. Yep. I feel like Teresa should have known. And she said that to him, that is this what happened to Arnold? And he's like, uh, no, Bernard, you weren't around back then, were you? Yeah, why is he always questioning? Right? The date of when Bernard, it's the, like the third time he's questioned. Yeah. Were you around when yeah. that happened? You as a but host I just around? Thought, I thought she should have fought back at that point. She saw that that was coming and how he reacted. But I would have tried to fought against Ford at that point. You know, wouldn't you have lashed out if you think that you're about to die? She kind of just, and she was on to it too. I think she knew there was no way she could get out. I mean, she did try to call for help on the phone. She saw there was no service. That right. he, he had her trapped. It was everything that led to this point, and now she was kind of screwed. This whole relationship that Bernard had with Teresa, I think one of the main reasons to cultivate that for the viewer is so that this scene has that much more weight carried into it. Because mm-hmm. the way she can look at Bernard as like, you know, still hoping that maybe he won't kill her. Yeah, she even says at one point, but he's not under your control because of this, this, and that. Yeah. And she, he's like, oh, silly girl. You know, like she's just trying to hold on to that last bit of maybe Bernard's different. And it was a sad moment. Yeah, I mean, what a horrifying way to to go out. 
this person who you thought you knew? I don't know if she thought she was going to be killed in that moment. I didn't think she was going to be killed until they panned back over to her. I thought they were going to knock her out, do something with her. But then I actually looked her on the floor and I was like, yeah, she's dead. She's pretty dead and it seems like they're going to host her up now. Now, a lot of people are saying that the host that was being made in that room Mm -hmm. is Teresa. Mm -hmm. I thought that... I know for sure that Teresa is going to come back as a host. I'm not sure if that is the one being created because that skeleton looked too small. I mm-hmm. thought maybe that was a child. Or like he was recreating uh, the boy. Okay. Because that boy got all fucked up. Could be. <laughs> you know, mentally. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's trying again, like recreating. I didn't see how small it was. Could it I have been Elsie's size? Normal size. You thought it was normal size? When I saw it, yeah. She's pretty small. Yeah, maybe. I might be wrong in that because it was very brief that you saw it. No, so. I'm saying Elsie. Oh, Elsie. That might be Elsie. Is it Elsie size? Because she's she pretty was small. Short. Yeah, maybe. It takes longer, but it's still a good machine. Because said it takes a couple days, and you know it's been a couple days since we saw her. I hope that's not true. Is this when Ford utters uh, a version of Hamlet's famous line? In that sleep, what dreams may come? Yes. Seemed like another... Trigger freeze. It would make sense that that was Elsie because Bernard took Elsie the day before. Mm-hmm. That's already being built. The next one will be Teresa. So Teresa and Elsie are going to be like generals on the front line. For <laughs> Ford. Hey, real quick, just to dive back into the Dr. Ford being a host. We saw the picture of Ford with Arnold uh, a couple of seasons, episodes ago. Mm-hmm. What if... Dr. Ford was built by Arnold before they started making the whole place. And people thought that they were partners. And Mm -hmm. Arnold saw this coming and, like, faked his own death or whatever you call it. Made a version of him and, like, killed that version. And has been utilizing his main host, his first host, to, to run this place this whole time. Right, and some version of his consciousness could be in Ford. Or he could be in another room, like, doing his thing. Oh, yeah. That could be true, too. People are saying, why would Ford be, how would he have aged? Well, he could gradually age him to make it look like he's still human. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah, or that's just how he created him. No, because in the picture, he was younger. Oh, right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, we do still have some more to talk about, but that wraps up our overview. Let's go to our reverie rating. Jason, what do you give this episode? All right, so I put myself in a corner because I... Freaking said 9.9 last episode, <laughs> which, you know, was still great. So I got to give this, I'm going to go down to a 9.8 just because I really put a ceiling on myself by saying 9.9. Mm-hmm. So let's go 9.8. one more point to go. That's true. Uh, it's got to be the to best ever, <laughs> though. I, I don't think it's 10 territory yet. But. Not yet. So I'm going to go 9.8, but that's not because I didn't like it as much as episode six. They're both awesome to me. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, what about you? Uh, I think I'm going to go with uh, just, yeah, a little less too. Probably a 9.6. What did I say last time? 9.7? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 9.6. I, I really enjoyed the episode, uh, but not as much as the Maeve episode. Well, I enjoyed it equally. Six and seven were two of my favorite episodes so far. So I'm going to stay right where I was at and give it a 9.8 again. One of the critics said Westworld's attempt to pull the rug out from under the audience doesn't only serve a narrative purpose in Episode 7, in reconfiguring where characters stand in the grand scheme of things. 
It echoes on an emotional level as well by rescinding the decency of a key character. And that's exactly how I felt about Bernard. And that's why my MVB for this week is Bernard. Oh, nice. I haven't given it to him yet. And as much as I was so disappointed of the reveal, it was certainly his episode. I'm going Dr. Ford again. And I'm not afraid to repeat. If you got Anthony <laughs> oh, Hopkins in man. the show. One of these times gonna you're going to have to cut yourself off, though. Well, what I like is if you go back to what my MVPs have been, it wasn't Dr. Ford in the beginning. It's as the season goes on, it's more and more Dr. Ford, which makes sense because he's getting revved up. Yeah. As the main actor, as the talent, quote unquote, of this series. So I feel confident in saying that. We got to see Anthony Hopkins show his acting chops, finally. I agree. I think yeah. there's still going to be a dynamo Ford episode to come, yeah. though. So I'm saving my, my Ford vote for then. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with Teresa. Yeah? Because I really felt for her at the end of the episode. Just the shock of being killed by your lover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very powerful. <laughs> you know, it's a really hard place to be in, especially after just finding out that he's not even human. Yeah. I still think that I might get a Teresa episode if they do what I hope they're doing, which is Dr. Ford creating his chess pieces. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and if he, they utilize them beautifully, we'll definitely have some kick-ass moments with Elsie and uh, Teresa as hosts. Yeah. <clears throat> that's true and are we going to look at Bernard again as uh, him not knowing I wonder if he's going to go back right back to not knowing he's a host I think it already happened when he was walking out of the room Yeah, I think he's been wiped already is this like Ford's mentality now remember when William sort of first comes in and he meets the girl and she's if you can't tell the difference why does it matter Mm-hmm. you know like if you can't tell the difference if this is a human or a host. Why does it matter? Yeah. Does it matter? Yeah, you're right. I right. don't think that's his mentality. I think he thinks they're better than people. He all yeah. but said it in this episode. They have all of the same abilities as us, but they are free of the constrictions of a consciousness which weighs you down. And that's that's what makes me believe he must have at least at some point been human. I don't know that he could have always been a host because he just seems to have this burden of humanity that the hosts don't quite have. Some of them have a negative outlook on life, but it seems scripted into them. This feels like something he's actually witnessed, that he doesn't like the outside world. He doesn't like what things have become, and this is his place. Yeah. You know, that's... Or whatever. Had any children? Real children? Not that we know of. No, we had talked about the possibility of that early on, but it doesn't seem that. It doesn't seem that he could have that this outlook if he had had children, because that's I don't think a host can obviously do that. I don't know how organic they are, but. Well, unless something tragic happened to them, like you know. I think he would just make his own children. If he was going to have him. Yeah, the fact that he recreated his family from childhood is more telling. That's it for us, but we still have Clatcher's comments, which have some good thoughts to put forth here. we got to give our shout-outs this week to Strangers with a Z, Hester1995, Howard and Gary, Eileen McClary, MJ Mathias. Really appreciate it for giving us some uh, top-notch reviews. We got up to 11 on the top of the charts, thanks to you guys. And just keep them coming. 
We really appreciate it. We're shallow. Every time someone says they like <laughs> us, we're like, we're, we mean something. No, it, it reinforces <laughs> no. what we're doing here. And the conversations have only gotten better and better as the season goes on. I can't wait to see where we go next. And I can't believe we only have three episodes left. It's time to start thinking about a new show. But we'll tell you about that next time. Another shout out to Gustav. We also had a couple of Twitter responses. Saw Sound said, well done on predicting Maeve would use Felix to gain understanding. Could she remove her GPS now and escape? I don't even think it's going to take having to remove anything. I think she is escaping. She's got it played by having Sylvester and Felix essentially on her side. Yeah, I think I replied to him saying, like, that'd be hard to get to. And then he replied back saying, well, she got in and took out a bullet. She sure did. So she can probably take out a GPS. And Felix probably knows where it is, right? Well, that's what I mean. He could just shut it down potentially. Oh, yeah, maybe... But um, Lauren also said, just my two cents, but I think something terrible is going to happen to Felix and Sylvester. I think Maeve will eventually turn on them. Curiosity killed the cats. <laughs> and I love it, and I tend to agree that she will probably use them for as long as she needs them. She does seem to have a certain kinship for Felix, so she might not hurt him if she can avoid it, but I think Sylvester is... She hates Sylvester. Yeah, especially after tonight with Clementine. We also got a ton of great email responses. I'm sorry we're not going to have time to get to everything. Some of them are kind of doubled up on the theories they provided. Or we need a little more information first, so we might save them for future episodes. We got a follow-up, though, from Oren to our Greek mythology spin. He said he just had a quick note to add. Michael Crichton references Greek mythology in the title for Andromeda Stream. We talked about that Mm -hmm. being one of my favorite movies. As well as Christopher Nolan saying, superheroes fill a gap in the pop culture psyche, similar to the role of Greek mythology. So they're definitely playing with that. He also said he felt the Bernard Teresa Elsie storyline last time paid homage to generic TV dramas. We talked about it feeling more like a dramatic uh, cliffhanger and in a way reminded him of the Mr. Robot when they put in the 80s, 90s sitcom. Right. So an intentional kind of insert there. Finally, Arnold is being quoted as saying, a great artist always hides themselves in their work. So where did he hide himself? In every host or in Ford specifically, as he's trying to figure out the maze like everybody else? So he might agree with this theory of Ford being the first creation of Arnold, or, or at least the most important Also, one more thing on the Greek mythology. JJ had written to us with some of those, and he wants to. (laughs) No, (laughs) he wants to revise his theory where we talked about the Artemis Apollo side of things. It seems like after this episode, Bernard equals the Artemis character. So flip flop it. Even though, you know, Bernard is a male and Artemis Mm -hmm. was a woman, she was the huntress and protector which we certainly see him a bit in this role, who accidentally killed Orion, her hunting partner, at the command of Apollo. So in this scenario, Teresa would actually be Orion. Oh, I see. The hunting partner, because he killed her, and at the command of Apollo, which would make Ford Apollo. All gods in one. That's how he was looked at. But he is still the son of, you know, he's one step down from Zeus, Right. Who is kind of ruler of them all. And so that would still fit with what we were saying that Arnold could potentially be Zeus. Yeah. So I love this adjustment. And he also thinks Teresa will come back as a host and that's who is being built on the 3D printer. We talked about that. 
finally, Emily gave us some good food for thought. She says she's been loving our discussion on various theories and was wondering why she couldn't get on board with the William equals man in black one, which I had also struggled with too. And she pointed us in the direction of some potentially really great evidence from imgur.com. Don't know how to pronounce that. Anyway, they went through the theory with some pictures and evidence. If you guys want to take a look, it's definitely worth it. They point out certain characters that are found in the background of scenes, like a QA man who is in the background when Stubbs is informed about Dolores and the host straying from the storyline, and then also in the background the same guy in a scene with Ford. Which guy? The one on the right? It's a QA man. You see him here oh, okay. next to Stubbs, and then he's here behind Stubbs. But do you see the guy on the right? I think that's the guy that Clementine beat up, and he's, we know oh, he's a host. you're right. So, yeah, what they're saying is that these people are present in both what you know people are calling the past and present timelines. Right. So he's saying it can't be two timelines because, look, this guy is in the background of both scenes. But if they're all hosts, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So, so we know for a fact that one is a host. It's the, the Asian guy on the right. And he does the same thing here. He says, in dissonance theory, QA sent this man, who you see with Dolores. He's got a badge pinned onto him um, due to her straying from her storyline to tell her to come back. Then William walks out to save her from being taken in. She explains she's with him. This puts William and the QA man in the same time frame. And by extension, old Ford and William in the same time frame. Because the whole reason they didn't know she was with William is because Ford was too busy on the new storyline to come up with his house. So it's it's still circumstantial. Like yes. There's so many things that could say that's wrong. Mm-hmm. But I do like the evidence. I like looking at it from another viewpoint. And like we talked about tonight, there's certain advantages to it being the same timeline that could be really cool. I'm still open to either possibility. Yeah. yeah, it's, you know, it's still, like you said, up in the air. Because last week we had a video that kind of puts the, well, quote unquote, proves that there are two that timelines. There is. So exactly. So this I is the fun of it, though, right? Uh, yeah, I like to just keep giving you guys what the evidence is out there mm-hmm. one way or the other. And uh, that's why we really appreciate you sending this to us. Thank you to Definitely. everybody who sent in info. I love our clatchers. I'm wondering how are they going to do, like I feel a crescendo coming. How are they going to do five seasons? Something's going to have to put a wrench And we in still shit. have three more episodes this season. Yeah. Like it feels like they're coming to an end already now. They must have lots of information, mm. lots of storyline. We know they're at least going through season two. So there's a lot of fun yet to come. And we look forward to having gotten in with a show that could potentially have a great future. I love things like Game of Thrones and Westworld where you can really go the distance. Game of Thrones, we didn't come in until, what, season four? Yeah. So it's been nice getting in on the ground level here. And if you guys continue to enjoy what you hear, please keep supporting us. And that way we can keep doing this in future seasons. I'd love to stay with Westworld. Speaking of Game of Thrones, I was reading on Twitter that uh, there is some rumblings from HBO about spinoffs. So there might actually be some spinoffs for Game of Thrones. Well, they are getting to that point now where they have two seasons supposedly left, so it'd be time to start thinking about how to continue to expand the franchise, right? 
it's in HBO's best interest. It by far has the most viewers, and coming second is that one season of uh, True Detective, which was still not even like half of the numbers. So and every year they continue to pick up. Just when you think they can't get more viewers, it keeps getting bigger, and that's a whole world they could go so far with that. I feel Westworld's the same thing. Like you said, it concerns me when you have a world so vast with so much in it that they've decided to throw so much at it in season one. Um, But it's the same thing that keeps it exciting and fun. And speaking of that, our last little segment here is to talk about what's coming up next in episode 108, Trace Decay. If you do not want any spoilers on the preview, we will see you next time. For those of you still here, Trace Decay will include Bernard wondering why Ford made him kill her. So he's going to question the act with Teresa. That's right. This shows that he will not, in fact, have his memory wiped at least of that yet. Ford says it's a small price to pay for the dominion he shall acquire. Maeve is getting out, quote unquote. The man in black says rules hold them back, but he knows how to change them. There's a deeper game, Arnold's game, and that game cuts deep. So Jason, any more thoughts on episode seven? No, I loved it. And it just keeps getting better and better. Can't wait for next Sunday. We want to thank the Clatchers who have signed up to our newsletter. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. We're getting a bunch of them added and it's only going to help you guys to know what's going on, what's coming up and what special events we have going on. That will be important soon because, as we said, when Westworld ends, we need to pick our next show to review. We would love for you to be part of that or just to stay informed on the changes as they come. And this is a way for us to keep you in the know. So if you want, go to coffeeclatchcrew.com. Remember that CKC. And you will see a little prompt to sign up for our newsletter, quick and easy. And we will only send it to you periodically with our updates. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CKC Podcast. Facebook, and rate and review us on iTunes. Till next week, this round's on me. This round is on me. Please hang up and try again.